Welcome, friends, to Tank Tap, the podcast about video games and beer. I'm one of your hosts, Ben. It's episode 278, and today I'm joined by special guest Callum. Hello there. Hi. Hello, mate. Been a while. It has been a while. You were on. You've you've been on before with uh, with Adel and myself. Yeah. Uh, time time ago. Yeah, that was a long, long time ago. That was before okay. I went back out to Australia and then came back again. Exactly. I was going to say, living in a different country, and there's been a couple in between since as well. So yeah, been a while. Yes, yes. So it's good to catch up with you. Uh, um, share some beers and chat about kind of you know what we've been playing, gaming news, whatever you want to chat about really for the next couple of hours. Uh, first, as we always do, we'll jump into our beers. Callum, what are you going to uh, drink first? Today I'm starting with a, a Bachman, and I thought I'd go a bit lighter. I don't often drink session IPAs. I tend to look in my mm. fridge and everything's you know eight percent and above. And yep. I saw this in the bottle shop and thought. I'll give it a go. You know, if I'm going to review a beer that I don't try very often, I'll give a, a micro IPA, a 3% Bassland wow. recovery run. 3%. Okay. Uh, Citra, Amarillo, and a Cashmere Cryo Dry Hop. So I'm quite skeptical of anything below 5%, 5-6% normally. <laughs> so yep. we'll see how we go. Perfect, perfect. I haven't had anything from, from Bassland for ages and ages neither have i the last one i had was back in london years and years ago so mm. see how they go nice good well I'm, I'm 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 starting off light maybe not quite as light as yourself um but i'm going for a um i don't know whether this is classed as a collaboration beer i don't think it is uh, but it's from north brewing company um it's called their cryo pop ipa um and um it's uh, using cryo pop, um, which is something new from Yakima Chief hops. So um, as North do, they don't put much info on the can. So I'm not getting much more than just the you know, branding on the side of it. Um, but I've seen cryo hop, uh, cryo pop. Everyone seems a- to be bringing them out. Absolutely yeah. everyone. Yeah. The past week I've seen five or six different beers, all with cryo pop. As the, I know Cloudwater's done one. Mm-hmm. Brew, York, Brew York brought one out last week as well with a cryo pop. I've not, I've, I've heard good things, but I've not heard anything, you know, particularly, you know, differentiating it from any any other, you know, fashionable hop. Yep, yep. We'll see. We will see as we we get into it. I don't. I've, uh, I, as as you said, I've seen a few about. I haven't had one. I don't think yet. Uh, if I had. It was probably not memorable enough for me to <laughs> remember, um, so we shall see. But I enjoy a North beer. Um, it's six point seven percent, and that's pretty much all they stick on the tin. Um, Cryo Pop, however, is a trademark of Yakima Chief Hops, ah. and it just says that the trademark and the branding and stuff is used with their permission, which I imagine it would be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lovely tin. Yeah, classic North. Yep. Haven't had anything from them in a long time, but they seem to Same. always be pretty solid. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. So we'll come back to you uh, as I pour with the Baskland. How is it? Yeah, really, really bright, zesty. Got a, a very poured, very, very pale. I don't know if you can see it in the light. I've got these bloody light mm. bulbs. So don't give it much, but it's very pale. Looks almost like lemonade. 
and poured a very light sort of foamy head to start with that's obviously dissipated quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's it's packed full of like lemon lime zest, that sort of fresh grapefruit sort of flavour. Hmm. On the nose anyway. Not getting much of a hoppy sort of note. A little bit dry, a little bit sweet, but it sort of fades off quite quickly. Yeah. I think probably what you've described from the nose is, is uh, maybe expected from something that's kind of, you know, edging on small yeah. beer slash sort of session. I've got to say, actually, I'm quite impressed with the flavour. It's not full. It's very light. Like, say, recovery run, it's the sort of thing that you you take out, go for a barbecue, and you yeah. would smash back. If it wasn't, if they didn't cost the same the amount they do being imported, <laughs> you'd smash them back. It's quite a light, light, fresh sort of carbonation on the front, very sort of smooth, with a little, little hint of bitterness at the front, a nice sort of light piney sort of kick to start with, and then it sort of flows into a really nice sort of fresh tangerine, that that grapefruit, those sort of stone fruits coming through really soft. Hmm. And then it's finishing with just a sort of where you'd sort of where a bigger ABV beer you'd you'd feel that sort of IPA that nice crisp hoppy bite coming in that resinous finish. It has that, but it is very muted, very mild. Finishes nice and dry, but it's not punching you around the mouth or anything. Okay. Like I say, it's dangerously easy to drink. Like I've gone through that half glass just for that sip because it just you you don't want to stop once you get going. Mm, mm. Good. I'm, gl- I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad that it's sort of, you know, uh, um, maybe not quite as full flavoured as it would be if it was up towards six, six and a half, you know, or, or higher kind of percentage. But edging down to that, you know, just under four, um, it, it kind of, maybe not here in the UK, um, but it's sort of competing for the space that I guess lots of lower ABV beers, you know, standard stuff that you kind of get in the shop. Yeah, your fridge uh, filler. Has, exactly. And stuff that you would pick up, as you say, to, to take to a barbecue uh, or, or just to have a couple of beers kind of through the day in the garden or something like that. So it's, it's nice to hear that it's still full of flavor. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of selling itself from your description quite well in that regard. Yeah, I'd, I'd take that again, definitely. Like, I've had a fair few, like, alcohol-free beers in the past and you get two or three in and you're just like, nah. I'm not gonna. Mm. I'm not gonna finish this. It's not worth it. Whereas this, you know, two point nine percent, no, three point nine percent, and you're sort of like, I wouldn't buy that if I wasn't expecting to give it a review. If you know what I mean. And sure. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm impressed with that. Nice, good for what it is. Um, where did you, where did you pick it up? Uh, uh, where are you located I'm, now? I'm living in Belfast. Well, I'm living in Bangor now. Mm. Uh, just literally in my, my first home that I bought. I moved in about two, three weeks ago, but I work in Belfast. So I bought it up from the own, literally the only bottle shop in Belfast that sells craft beer. There's okay. one, the Vineyard. If anyone else is ever over in Belfast, it's the only place you can get craft beer. It's a, The scene is very, very dead. Wow. There's there's a few craft breweries that are starting to come up, like Boundary and whatnot, that I know you've, mm-hmm. had, you've reviewed and things, but the, there's literally no craft beer bars and you don't see it don't see craft beer in you know bottle shops anywhere there's just this one and they get a good good selection but with the whole brexit issues as well there's been a big mm. a big fallout of them getting stuff in so they'll get uk stuff in maybe once a month or once every two months so it's it's wow. pretty pain, pretty painful 
Luckily, they do get Verdant in, so I can get my, get a hold of my Verdant. But uh, every everything else, it's very very few and far between. So I sort of rely yeah. on trades and you know friends in the UK sending stuff over, and me sending whatever I can get a hold of back. Mm. Have you found that you're uh, apart from the trades and stuff, you're getting more kind of local bits from Boundary or, or Whiplash and, and those sorts of stuff? Is that kind of a bit more? Um, available to you or is even that sort of stuff kind of only in this again one bottle shop and you're going kind of more directly to the breweries for that yep. sort of stuff. It's if mm. I want to get their stuff I have to go directly to the brewery or it's literally this one shop like all the bottle shops they don't even supply local craft beer it's a uh, it's a really really quiet scene it's a uh, it's very yeah. different to my time when I was in London where I walked to every bottle shop and you'd be you'd be making sure you didn't pick too many up because every single shelf had something different something that you wanted mm. but the the craft breweries over here i've got i'm trying to decide what i'm gonna have as my second beer whether i go local because i picked up a couple of local ones that i was told were improving or whether mm. i go with a bigger something from the uk so okay. Okay. still deciding yeah see how you feel later yeah. on I, I have got something uh, um from your way for my uh second beer um but from dublin rather than a uh, better whiplash is it Oh yes! Oh yes. yes! Can't go wrong with whiplash. Absolutely, and we'll we'll come to that one a little bit later. Um, but the north, yeah, um, the the head is dissipated quite quickly. Um, didn't sort of uh, foam up as much as yours did. It was very very light um, and has dissipated quite quickly. It's maybe not quite as uh, as orangey as it's coming across on the screen. It's a little bit washed out on the on the camera. Um, it's got a very very light nose, like incredibly light. Hmm, a little bit of, a little bit of maybe mango or something. Not much on there at all. A little sweetness. Hmm. Ooh. In the flavour, it it kind of the flavour feels like that nose, but it is dialed up. So it does have a little bit of mango. There's maybe some, a touch of pineapple in there as well um, but it's very very smooth uh, you, you barely get any sort of carbonation from this at all um, really really um, not uh, you know we're not talking kind of oily uh, or anything like that um, but it is very very smooth what, what were the other hops in it again with the crayle pop I don't know the, the can does not tell me because um, I've not heard of any single hop cryopops. pops there always seem to be something else, so I wonder what they could have been. Yeah, well, I'll take a I'll take a little internet stab in a moment, <laughs> um, and and see what else is in it. It just says uh, again gives the ingredients as water, barley, wheat, oats, hops, and yeast, and that is that is all that they give us. Uh, obviously, closely guarded secrets from North, not wanting yeah. to give uh, too much information on their cat, but. Has a tiny, tiny bitterness to it, hiding away so far that you could absolutely miss it, um, and probably will miss it the more I drink. I think it's maybe only in those first couple of sips where you just notice that little bit, just that hot profile coming through, a hit, mm, just a little bit of a hit towards the back. Could be the nature of it being a cryo, like a. Cryo pop, you know, you, you don't get as many of the alpha acids and as many of the oils in it. 
Mm. So the bitterness is a lot softer. Yes. Yeah. And it is, it is incredibly soft. Um, it's a nice combination of flavors. You know, it's not a huge amount going on. And there's not this big kind of, uh, you know, flavor curve um, to it with, with, you know, all of these different sort of stages. It's just a pretty solid kind of flavor, which does its thing, I suppose. It doesn't kind of stick around too long. Um, it is a little bit dry as well. So I may be kind of reaching for it more often than uh, than the flavour would um, would ask of me because it's just drying out just that little bit more than the flavour is kind of sticking around for. So, mm. but I like it. I I wouldn't tell that this was you know again nearly seven percent six point seven. It does feel a little bit lighter than that. Um, but not, you know, down towards kind of your, uh, yeah. your the, 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 the threes and fours kind of thing. So you're um, drinking this. Getting sort of a, a full flavour. So. Yeah, drinking this, I would say the opposite to this for that is I wouldn't expect this to be three, three and a half percent. It's tasting mm. a lot more towards, you know, the five, six percent. It's got that. It's It would just be the, the crispness of it and the dry sort of light finish, the giveaway. Yep. It doesn't taste watery or, you know, thin at all. Perfect. Good. Um, we'll have more thoughts on these beers uh, probably by the time we've got to the end of them, uh, towards the end of the episode for everybody listening. Uh, but we will jump into uh, Callum. Whatever you want to chat about, mate. What you, have you got? Have you got beer topics? You got games topics? What? What you been up to? Oh, well, I've always got beer topics, but uh, <laughs> we'll be here all night if that's the case. But I, I know I've been talking to you about. Um, I've just got just got Game Pass Ultimate on my Xbox oh, literally yes. two weeks ago, so I've been jumping into lots of different stuff and just sort of giving everything a little go. And I know you also played a bit of Humankind, so I yes. got that on the laptop, which has been my my work companion the past couple of days. Sit and click away on that while you're managing your drivers and your whatnot <laughs> at work, and it's it's all too easy to get sucked in uh, your classic Civ like game. So. Yeah, I've, I've been playing that. I still haven't finished my first run through yet. Okay. Uh, I've been taking it quite slow. I was, I found at the start it was quite overwhelming. I think I went in expecting it to be a bit more like Civ. Like if, mm-hmm. if the listeners don't know, it's it's literally the the new. I can't remember who has released it. I'm never too uh, up to date with all that sort of stuff. Humankind, I think, is Amplitude Studio. It is. I was listening to a um, podcast today about it. Published by Sega, I think. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's their their literally their take on Civ, which is listening to a few things. It's not many other games have actually gone for that throne, if you know what I mean. A lot of mm. other games have you know dabbled around the side with different forex strategy style stuff, but this is literally almost a carbon copy of Civ with their own sort of sprinkling on the top. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've, I've been actually, now that I'm getting into it a little bit more, I've got a few more hours in today. I'm starting to really enjoy it. Good. Uh, um, I don't know what you're, what you, what you thought in your playthrough. Um, it's, it's interesting. Um, I like the sort of the spin that they have taken and the sort of the changes that they have made or their, their own flourishes on sort of the standard, uh, formula of, uh, of a Forex style game. Um, so uh, I have experienced a full run through. Um, I played it on quite an easy difficulty just to get my head around, 
you know, what was going on, the new mechanics and those sorts of things. Yeah, that's what um, I'm doing. And, and I found that actually, uh, I, having had experience with these types of games, uh, I probably should have bumped it up straight away because it was actually quite easy. Um, and perhaps maybe it didn't throw up some of the challenges that uh, the harder difficulties would do. And I, and I, I don't know how kind of the AI behavior changes with those difficulties, but I never really fell foul of any other kind of civilization trying to say like encroach upon me too much until right towards the end of the game when it was far too late for them to even sort of catch up yeah. with me essentially. That's exactly what I've sort of found. Like my problem was I started off and I was too busy exploring the place before I even settled down. Yes. And I settled down right in the middle of everyone. And <laughs> so I found they've been encroaching, but I feel like you don't really need to do anything, if you know what I mean. You've got mm. your army, you're sending your scouts around the place, and it feels like control is very... It's all, you, just, you just click next turn, next turn, and it's all about just building up your influence. There doesn't seem to be any consequences for encroaching yes. other people and doing things like that. And I'm sure as a, the difficulty gets higher, it might increase a bit. But I just feel like I've started my one city, start another city, and you're just hitting next turn all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you get your decisions on which path, culture path you want to take and things. But there doesn't seem to be any consequences either side of it at the moment that I found. Uh, like I was yeah. saying to you, it feels a bit like a cross between Civ and um, the Fallen uh, Endless Legend mm. game that I played. That the just the nature of the way the armies move around and things like that. Civ feels very grid based, very tied to the grid. Whereas this feels like it's sort of crossing between a grid and the you know the more free flowing forex style of games. Yeah, absolutely. They've you, you can see the the influence that they've taken from Endless Legend. Um, and I, I, I'll come straight out and say I feel I, I loved Endless Legend. So did I. I. Feel like I feel like I would have preferred them to have done an Endless Legend two, and gone more into the fantasy side of things than try a like a real world sort of style game like Civilization. Um, but. I can absolutely see why they wanted to do that because as you just mentioned about the cultures and the way that you play those cultures kind of through the ages essentially um, and that you're not as you normally do you're like I will be the Romans or I will be the British or whichever civilization you pick at the start of one of these games uh, humankind doesn't do that it allows you to switch yeah. Uh, between different civilizations based upon the era that you move into. Um, uh, for those who haven't played it yet or aren't sort of familiar with these kinds of games, normally you move between kind of eras based on your like tech tree and, and those sorts of things. Um, humankind has you earning stars through different objectives. So it would be um, like having 20 districts might give you a star or having a certain population will give you a star building certain buildings will give you a star sort of thing once you've got seven stars you move into the next era and when you do that you can then pick a different civilization from five or six maybe a little bit more uh, of new um, 
of, of new nations, essentially, which um, I suppose were, were were prominent for that era. So there's lots of very early kind of civilizations like the Spartans and the Hun and people like that in these early periods. And then you move into the what we understand as kind of nations now. So there's sort of the French or the German to pick. The British come a little bit earlier than that. There's then uh, the sort of the Japanese later on and, and, and things. And I, I like that they've kind of done this. It, it add, just adds to that flavour of the game. Rather than you being locked into, say, you know, the Romans straight away and getting your you know, special military unit really early on in the game, which are very powerful during that early game kind of period, this allows you to mix it up a little bit. So if you want to concentrate on using the special buildings uh, that each of those civilizations brings up, you can do that. If you want to be a little bit more aggressive and go down the sort of military route, you can do that as well. And it refreshes constantly, which which is a nice touch really uh, and it does it does give it just a little bit more flavor than something like civilization yeah i'm definitely going to keep going through with it and see exactly how it goes then to maybe do a couple more playthroughs trying different styles because at the moment i'm still you know just getting my head around a couple of the, the nuances of the, the cultures and the things like that but yeah like i said it's it's still you know still trying to decide whether i'm going to play that or i'll jump back into endless legend if i need a bit of a forex yeah. forex kick but yeah, other than that, I've been playing. I was telling you I played a bit of uh, Split Core. I think it's Split Core. It's called uh, the... Split Gate. Split Gate. That's the one. Yes. I keep forgetting the name. I keep having to go back into my Google search to remember what the, what the name is. But I only <laughs> got about an hour of that before my internet blew up. Blew up yesterday. So, but it's really fun. Really, yep. really good fun. Like really satisfying gameplay. Uh, well, for the hour and a half that I played anyway, and it's really quick to pick up. I saw a lot of. Re- people online saying that the server queues were hours and hours long, but mm. I got in five minutes and I was up and running playing. And I think I won my first like 12 games. It was great. Wow. I, nice. I don't know whether it was against bots or anything, but I, I didn't, I wasn't up at the top of the line. I just, I think I just got very lucky with my, my queues and my team, but it's a, there's something really satisfying about the, the gameplay loop of it. I don't know if you've uh have you looked into the game at all much at all? Not not much past the um the, sort of the advertising kind of stuff and, and, and yeah. you know press so, releases and things like that really. Halo Crossword Portal is quite a good sort of mm. a good sort of way of describing it. It's a little bit I'd say it's a bit faster paced than Halo. Uh you feel like you're in the in the action straight away, four V four combat and then there's certain certain panels throughout the map that you can put portals onto so you put your entry portal and your exit and you can go backwards and forwards and your team do, does the same and you can use their portals at the same time oh right nice and then you can it's also not, it's not a team portal it's like an individual one. Yeah. yeah and you can use your own team's portals and mm-hmm. if it's your team's portal you can see the exit of the other one so you can see through it and you can shoot through that portal so you don't have to actually oh. be in that area of the map and shoot through it and sort of set up different sort of points That's of ambush cool. and things like that and you can use the enemy's portals, but you just can't see what through them. Yep. So it creates a sort of fun sort of, oh, the enemy's gone through there. If I jump in and follow them, yeah, are they going to be sitting up an ambush or doing something yep. like that? But it's it's been really enjoyable. You you start off with your standard sort of um, your weapons. So you get a, a battle rifle and an assault rifle. And you really, like, I've not picked up any other weapons. I just run around with them mm. the whole time. 
<laughs> but there's you get some really satisfying moments when you when you use a portal correctly. Because a lot of team, a lot of the criticism I've seen online has been saying people aren't using the portals; they're just running around as normal. But you get these great moments when you like you set up an ambush where you'll create a portal and you'll jump through, and your team will, and then you'll see a bunch of the enemies jumping through, and you'll all be turned around and you'll just destroy them. Mm. Or I had one moment where I was running around a corner, getting chased by a couple of the enemies, and I stuck two portals around around a corner, jumped in one, and that then jumped me behind them as they ran off. Nice. And you can shoot, shoot them in the back. It was great. It was one of the most satisfying moments I've had the whole game. But I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really looking forward to getting back into it and playing it again and just sort of seeing where it goes because it's been it's been really, really fun to play to start mm-hmm. with. And it's all the um, in-game sort of purchasing. It's all just com- cosmetics and things. There's no play to win, if you don't pay to win. So, you know, I've, I've been really finding it quite, quite a good bit of fun. Perfect, perfect. Is this kind of... Uh, you know, like a normal game that you would play, like an, an, an FPS kind of uh, online um, competitive kind of game? Or is it just something you, you thought you'd have a go at? Yeah, I just thought I'd, thought I'd jump in. I saw a lot of reviews of it. And I enjoy your, you know, your mindless shooting games. After a long day at work, mm-hmm. sometimes a, a 4X or something like that is just a bit too much work or something really story heavy. Uh, and you just want to get in headset on and just sort of crack a beer and you know just run around and shoot people and you don't really care how you're doing i'm not i'm yeah. by no means a, a good fps by no means a competitive player at all i i tend to stick on the the, the negative side of the kill death ratio but you know <laughs> just something that you just enjoy just sitting down and blasting away at because mm, mm. yeah is it, is it is it kind of just um like standard team deathmatch you know yeah, most kills kind of much. wins yeah Apparently, I think as you play along, like like I say, I've only played for the first hour or so. I think they unlock it unlocks different game modes. So oh, right, as you okay. play, there's new game modes, but they're very run of the mill. You know, your capture the flag, king of the mm-hmm. hill, all that sort of stuff. As far as I'm aware, anyway. But yeah, they've been it's been enjoyable so far, especially when the other games that I've been playing are Hades and um, I ju- jumped into Doom Eternal. Now that I've got Game Pass, nice. and, yeah, it's uh, I know Lucy loves that game and it's it's sublime. Absolutely brilliant. I'm an home a lot, a long time, a long way off. Everyone else has played that and beaten it a few times, but I'm just getting into it now, and it's it's excellent. I I fell off Doom Eternal quite quickly, actually. Um, yeah. I, I can't remember how far through I got. I played maybe a few a few hours of it, um, and it, it didn't quite grip me the way that the um, like 2016. Yeah, Doom that was that did. one. I couldn't stop playing. Mm. That was absolutely uh, just it, it pulled you through. It wanted you to kind of keep going. Yeah, uh, I think Eternal had a not just a bit more of a, a ramped up kind of difficulty curve, but it, it threw in that platforming uh, element to it as well. Yeah, and I, I think it kind of expected the player to not just go through those kind of platforming sections and, and lots of the sort of the secrets and things were, were hidden behind those kind of platforming sections. But I think it expected the player to utilize those kinds of things through the combat as well. So lots of the arenas that you're fighting in were very vertical. And I sort of felt that I was not being kind of forced to jump uh, through and things. But, you know, and, and Doom is always about moving. You've got to keep moving yeah. and stuff. But you didn't have that kind of 
plane and that map to kind of move around and kite around and do these sorts of things with enemies it was very much like oh i've just got to pop up here i'll pop up over here or there's ammo over there to pick up or there's some health down here to pick up and stuff and it felt maybe just a little bit too frantic like doom is yeah. very frantic but this yeah. felt at least for me maybe it's my age and i've just dropped off my uh, reactions a little bit but it, it did feel very very frantic very very quickly yeah yeah, I'm I'm probably not quite hit that sort of tier yet, if you know what I mean. That sort of mm. where it gets particularly difficult. I'm I'm only an hour and a half, two hours in at most. Okay, so not very far at all. But you know, I think it just got me on the st- the nostalgia of the 2016. Mm. You know, you get that soundtrack banging in, and yeah. you know when you come into the combat and it turns on and it ramps up, and you just you just run around. Literally, I'm I'm like you say, I'm very much like you. I'm, I've probably lost all my reactions and everything, but you just run around like a madman, just shooting everything you can and trying to get those glory kills to keep yourself alive mm. the whole time. Yes, and you're you're running on damn near empty the whole way, and there, you get that adrenaline going with it. So I'm I'm enjoying it so far, but I'm I'm yet to hit that point where, I, like you say, I've I heard that a lot when I was when I was listening to reviews of it that yeah, the difficulty ramp gets a bit too much. And it gets a, it, it's a bit like hitting your head against the wall where it's not enjoyable. Because that's what I found with the last one. I quite enjoyed bumping up the difficulty to harder settings, harder, harder levels. And, you know, it didn't feel like you're running into brick wall the whole time. It felt like you were just, you know, oh, I just missed that one shot. Oh, I just missed this. Absolutely. Whereas in this, what I've heard is it's quite often this new enemy has just completely changed the gameplay and I can't get past them and there's nothing mm. I can do. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping there's well, no control of throne. Yeah, it's, it's it's that it's the new enemy, or the sheer sort of quantity of them, and the you know it is very sparse with its kind of ammo and and things like that, and it makes it feel perhaps a little bit more kind of strategic in how you're trying to play. You know, you know it wants you, but it, it kind of funnels you to get those kind of glory kills and things to to refresh your ammo and those sorts of things. And um, I think there was a few sort of enemies where. You were, or I'd shot them from, you know, kind of not distance, but far enough away that by the time that they'd stopped flashing, I'd only just kind of got to them. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! I'm now just stood next to the enemy who can just, you know, absolutely batter me for a second. Do you kind of find is it is it more maybe like your mood, uh, um, which determines whether you would say go back to say Doom Eternal. Or to split gate, you know, whether you have that more competitive sort of multiplayer, or whether you want something that is absolutely just you against the computer. Yeah, it's that. I think that's why I've only doubled a couple of hours into each because I mm. do. It does just sort of. I'll get back from work and it's been, you know, been in from six a.m. till seven eight p.m. and you're just like, sometimes you want to just sit back and just blast against the computer, you know, in Doom and you know headphones in and do that. And then sometimes, like you say, the difficulty of Doom and the the competitive not the not the competitive but the the complexities of it and the fact that it's story based. Well, I, I want to say it's story based, but it's not really story driven at all, is it? <laughs> and then sometimes you want to get into something that, for me anyway, with Splitgate, it's something that you can ha- have a bunch of quick games for half an hour to an hour, mm-hmm. and then jump in and jump out. Whereas with Doom, you, I feel like you've got to be a little bit more invested. You've got to go, right, I'm going to give it an hour or I'm going to give it an hour and a half. Whereas with Splitgate, I can jump in and say, right, 20 minutes, 
four or five games in, out, and that's it. Um, so I might, I've got the, a dreadful concentration span. Like I've got the concentration of a goldfish. <laughs> so I, I jump in and I'll get bored of things very, very quickly. Sure. I've changed a lot since, you know, back in my university days when I could literally, probably because I was at university, I would sit and play Call of Duty or Battlefield for literally dawn till dusk. Yeah. And I'd be, I'd be more than happy. Whereas now I get far too bored after a wee while. <laughs> do you think and maybe we'll get on to talking about kind of game pass as a as a surface a little bit later but there's there's so many games kind oh. of at your fingertips I, now to be yeah, able to do that and, and just be like 20 minutes here 20 minutes there an hour here i you know i've got two hours after getting home from work i'm just going to play a completely different game instead. yeah it's 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 literally the same problem as you have with netflix You'll sit down and be like, right, I fancy playing something. You know, I fancy playing a shooter tonight. Okay, I've got 12 shooters installed. Oh, there's a new one that's just come online as well now. I've heard some good things about that. I might download that and give that a go. Uh, Okay, right, I'll I'll, I'll play Splitgate. Okay, I'll download Splitgate. Okay, right, I'm in. Actually, do I really want to be playing Splitgate? Maybe I feel a bit more like Doom, actually. No, I'll jump over to Doom. And then an hour and a half has gone past, and you've shot three guys, and that's about it. Uh, so yeah, quite quite often I get back and you know I'll get the controller, I'll get it ready, and I'll go. Actually, I'm watching, a, a doing a rewatch of Parks and Rec. I'm just gonna yeah. stick that on, and I'll play some Hearthstone on my laptop in the side. <laughs> so yeah, I've always got a game going, but I don't always have a proper game going. If you know what I mean, I, sure. I always have so- yeah. something. It's the you know the age of the distraction for me at the moment, or you know the second screen. I've yeah. got one screen going, but you've always got something else. On the side, mm, absolutely, and I, I find the same. I, I've it's it's always been a way that I've kind of um, worked as well. So even even through uni, um, when I was doing lots of kind of um, hand drawing and stuff, and I could sit here kind of with my pad and do some drawing, and I'd have uh, something going on the screen. And I've I've watched, but not really watched. So many TV oh, shows, like yeah. twenty four and those kinds of things. You're like, oh, something interesting sounds like something cool. Look at that for thirty seconds. All right, now back to what kind of what I'm doing. And it's it's very hard to get into that kind of mindset. And I've got like I've got two screens here, but I've then got my phone as well. So really, I've kind of got three screens to to, to kind of jump between. And a lot of the time, I do a lot of work on here. I'll have you know the Discord chat. Or, or something else on my second screen. I've been running through X Files as well at the moment, yeah. so uh, I am currently up to I think episode twenty-one of season seven or something like that. Um, I've been burning through those, but again, it's X Files is great because I've it's a series I've already watched twice uh, yeah. at least, so I know the episodes, and I'm not I'm not watching them. It, it's just it's, it's kind just of background. just on. Yeah. I think but, that's, pro- that's probably why I'm enjoying my second rewatch of Parks and Rec because the yeah. first time I did it, you know, I didn't actually watch it 100%. So I'm watching this. I'm like, did I watch this episode? <laughs> I'm not sure if I've seen this. Oh, no, yeah, I did. I get that joke now, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I did watch it. Yeah. And I I, I, I absolutely feel like there's... there's I've, I've tried Hearthstone before and um, various other kind of games that don't need your full attention... For, for, for kind of chunks of things, you know, a Hearthstone kind of game is quite quick. So you play it for a bit and then you can do some work and then you have another five minute break yeah. and you can play a game of it and then do something else. But I, I just, I know that 
if if I had a game on in the background going, I would just get sucked in and be like, right, I'm now ten, I'm now ten games of Hearthstone in. I yeah. should really do some work instead. When when you were doing architecture at uni, can I ask mm. you how many times did you watch Lord of the Rings? Because I reckon I watched Lord of the Rings in the background at least a hundred <laughs> times when I was in architecture. It's the perfect Ooh. background movie. Ooh. Um, Maybe not that, but I, I it was on the background a lot when I was doing architecture. I did, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have watched it a lot. I would say it's in the, it's probably in the teens somewhere. I reckon. <laughs> um, but again, that's the as soon as those extended cuts came out, I brought that box set, and that's then the version I watched. So each of those is like three and a yeah, bit kind of a, hours. So yeah, that's a, that's a good drawing done there. I used to, it was that, and then at Christmas time, it was Harry Potter went on. <laughs> there was there was something about it. I don't know what it was. The wife is very much Christmas and Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. It's not a Christmas movie, but it kind of is a Christmas. It movie. just reminds me of it. I don't know what it is. It's snow. It's always snowing in Harry Potter, so it just makes <laughs> you think of Christmas. Brilliant. Um. So, um, we we burned through a few games. Uh, Humankind, Splitgate, Doom Eternal, and all of them are kind of taking a little bit of share of your time at the moment. You're sort of. You know, jumping kind of between all of those. Have you have you got like a staple kind of game uh, that 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 does always pull you back, or something that you um, something that you maybe install kind of and play once a year or something like that as well? You know, saying about having Lord of the Rings on all this time, is there something that you will always go back and play as well? That's a good question. Like at the moment, well. Halo is one that I have played through quite a few times. Mm. The, the Halo series is what got me into Xbox. Like I was a, I was a big PlayStation fanboy, PlayStation computer fanboy, and hated Xbox when it first came out. I was like, no, no, no. But I always liked the idea of Halo. Whenever I went to a friend's yeah. house, that's all I wanted to play. And then eventually got into that. And yeah, Halo Three was like my first game that I properly fell in love with. I've always played a lot of other games before then, but Halo 3 was the one that I sort of, you know, I will literally go back and play that again and again, that campaign. I just think it's it's just one of those ones that I will always happily mm. jump back into and play through. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to Halo Infinity when it comes out. Yeah. But I don't have any games that I really play frequently. Like I said, Hearthstone is the only game probably over the past four or five years that I've played consistently. Mm. I'm very much, I'll jump in and out. Probably part of that is because I've been traveling a lot. You know, I've never, this is the first time I've lived somewhere for more than six months. I've <laughs> always, after six months, I've always moved on somewhere else. Yeah. So ever since I left university, ever since, you know, university was the longest time I've ever lived anywhere. It was when I was at Edinburgh for 10 years studying. So yeah, I did 10 years at Edinburgh and then I, I decided to start traveling about. So I think part of that is why I've never really sat at a single game, have one that I always go back to. Mm -hmm. I think I also suffer a bit from sort of the, the whole FOMO with games, where I never sit at a game long enough. I always think, oh, I'll give that a go, and I'll play it for six, seven hours, and then I'll jump onto something else. I'll jump onto yeah. the next thing that looks good. That happened to me with like Star Wars, um, which was the one that just came out. Uh, uh, Fallen Order? Fall in order, that one, yeah. So I got about 10 hours into that. I was really enjoying it. And then something else came along and I jumped into that. So mm. 
I, I'm, I'm very bad for not finishing games. Very bad for not finishing games. What about yourself? Is there anything that you always... Uh, uh, no. Um, no, there's not. Uh, like you, I'm, I, I constantly jump into that sort of that new experience. Um, I, I do try to finish it, um, but then we'll move straight on to kind of onto the next thing. And I, I kind of have, you know, several games kind of going at the same sort of time. So um, I, I started Humankind a couple of days ago when it came out on Game Pass. Um, I picked up the um, uh, upgrade director's cut version of Ghost of Tsushima as well for the Icky Island expansion. So I'm kind of running through that at the moment. Um, before that I was just playing kind of like Boyfriend Dungeon um, again on Game Pass and and a few kind of other things um, and I've just played 12 Minutes as well which it's, yeah, again absolutely. another game that's just, just come up on Game Pass as well um, so I, 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 I do kind of flit but it's sort of right I finish that what's next I finish that what's next I finish that what's next whereas before when I played something like World of Warcraft and that wants your time. It wants your investment. So I played and played and played and played and played and played. And played. Yeah, and I, I did that with. My... I did that with Guild Wars. Yeah. So I nice. couldn't afford to play World of Warcraft when it was out. So <laughs> Guild Wars was free. So I played yep. Guild Wars instead, and it was one of those games back when I like like you say I just played and played and played, just mm. ground, ground and ground and ground, and I don't seem to have the attention span to do that anymore. Uh, like you say, I, yes. I, I want to jump around. I want to try different things the whole time now. Mm, mm. And I think it's 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 great. Like I I like that, um, you know, the flexibility to be able to kind of do these things. Gone are the days where I want a game which is eighty hours. I yeah. want something that is you know a lot shorter. A three hour experience is is perfect for me. Um, yeah, and some Definitely. stuff will take me away a little bit longer. You know the. The Icky Island expansion for Ghost of Tsushima and Ghost of Tsushima itself uh, is tens and tens and tens of, of hours, but I, I I don't know whether it's kind of the way that my brain has been conditioned through the um, just through all of the games that have been coming out recently that actually it seems acceptable to play an eighty hour open world game and do little chunks of things, you know, with the quest structure that they bring up and those sorts of, uh, you know, that that style of kind of game almost allows you to play it in little chunks. Now, I'll play 20 minutes, I'll play uh, three hours, and both of them kind of feel similar in what you get yeah. out of them, um, rather than in the days of old playing sort of a JRPG or something like that. You want that six-hour experience with it, because you want to feel that progression with the characters through the leveling system, with the story, because it slowly kind of unfolds. Um, and I was I was actually really happy with um, the Final Fantasy VII remake that it was in a smaller chunk, and then I'm like, cool, I've played it, I've done that. I can wait for the next bit to come out. Um, it it just sort of fits with my lifestyle now yeah which i imagine lots of people kind of you know around about our age 
um, you know, whether it's sort of, I suppose, from late 20s up to sort of late 30s, into your 40s, into your 50s now, which people playing games, and these smaller experiences absolutely fit with that. You know, as we said, when we were students, you could sit down and do some work and watch a TV show, like 12 episodes, and then suddenly like, oh, I should go to bed. Cool. All right. Yeah. And then you had the day off, and you're like, well, what shall I do? I'll go and get some food in, and then I'll sit on the sofa for the next 12 hours and play something. So it's it's a completely different kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, demand on my time in in terms of what I then want to play, really. Yeah, I think it very much, like you say, depends on your like your circumstances. Mm. Because I was, as you were saying that, I was sort of thinking, oh, wait a second, about nine months ago when I was in Australia and I'd left my job, I played. I started. I got into No Man's Sky. Oh yeah. And where normally, or I tried to get into it a few or three, three or four times before in the past, and I sort of jumped in and then thought, oh, this is too big. There's too much to do. Mm. Whereas I got into it and I was like, actually, I've not got a job at the moment. I'm going to jump in and do, you know, because I could invest not just half an hour at a time, I could invest an hour to two hours at a time. It meant you would actually have time to get into each sort of strap, each mission and actually get one mission, a whole mission done. Yeah. And you could take, you games like that, you can't take tiny little bites out. You have to take a considerable bite at a time and mm. then a considerable bite at a time and it all adds up to this final big picture. Whereas games now, I don't have time I don't have the the opportunity to put an hour and a half, two hours to get sucked in in that first place. Yeah, it needs to grasp me in the first half an hour to keep me going. If you know what I mean. Absolutely. Um, it's same with like um, The Witcher. If I jumped in there now, I probably wouldn't play The Witcher. I probably wouldn't be able to complete it because mm. it's such a grand game, and every mission and every sort of quest that you go on does take that time investment. Where I sort of go, oh, I could do this quest, but shit, I've got to go back. I've got to get this stuff for work done. I've got to get this done. Whereas back when I started playing it, if you go, yeah, three hours, I'll do it today. And then you've done that one and you're like, right, I want to do the next one. And it sucks you in that way. And yeah, I think that's why at the moment, because I've got work six, seven days a week and working most of the day and, you know, the nature of my job is I'm also working at night as well. Mm. You sort of go, oh, I want to jump in for something for half an hour. Yes. Which is where the idea of split gate appeals and things like that, where you can just go, right, I'll jump in for half an hour just to de-stress for a bit, and then I'll jump back onto work. Mm, mm. It feels like those kinds of uh, grander kind of RPG level or open world experiences, uh, you know, whether it's The Witcher 3 or Red Dead Redemption and stuff, when the next one of those big experiences kind of comes out, I, I can see myself thinking, right, I've I've done it and it's very difficult for me because I work for myself as well to kind of take holiday. Yeah. But I can see myself going right The Witcher 4 in 2026 or 2025 or whenever that comes out. All right. 3 days. I I I'm going to book off yeah. 3 days of holiday and I'm going to play it. And then I'll sit there and go those 3 days of holiday I should probably have spent with my family on a holiday somewhere <laughs> rather than sat down playing the game. So it's 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 not even that. It's 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 all of these kind of balances. It's kind See, of I don't I don't have that worry. Mm. My, mm. my holiday is holiday is for me at the moment. I'm still very very much a, a li- living a bachelor life at the moment. So 
I'm going to try and make the most of that. As everyone, as everyone says about kids, I say, don't, just don't do it. Just, just, just stay where you are. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I've got my, I've got my, my nephew. I can, you know, when I, when I need some kid time, I head over and see my nephew. So that's, that's yeah. all right. Good. Perfect. Um, excellent. Uh, so should we, uh, should we open up another beer? I think we should. Have you, have you got in yet? Do you know what you think you're going to have? Do you want to, do you want a moment? I think I'm going to go with an Irish one. Go local. Yeah, Yeah, hit something local, I think, today. Good. All right, perfect. I'm just going to grab it. Yeah, absolutely. I changed my mind, as as I'm one to do. (laughs) When you look in the fridge and you're like, go with that. And then I I was talking to you earlier about burnt milk. Oh, yes. And we were talking about how they are. I haven't had a burnt milk in a long time. I just mm. realized when I saw it at the bottle shop, I was like, I've not had one of them in a long, long time. And I remember when I was in London working at Brewdog and I was singing their praises to absolutely everyone about how they're going to be the next big thing. They're going to be the next big British brewery. Yeah. They haven't quite followed through on my claims, but like you and me were saying, they do know how to do a good hop forward dipper or, yes, you know, absolutely. IPA. I tend, to th- I tend to associate them more with West Coast. Mm-hmm. IPAs, you know, a lot more resinous, a lot more bitter, a lot more hop forward. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but this is a New England dipper, so I thought I'd give it a go, see what, see how they fare. Nice. What about yourself? Uh, so I'm going to drink this uh, this whiplash. Uh, but it's a collaboration whiplash between um, between them, um, Napa Beer and Barrier oh. Brewing um, and Garage. So it's I've heard like about a this four-way one. beer. Um, it is called Headlines. It's a triple IPA, so it clocks in at ten point five percent. I didn't even read when I was in the um, shop that it was a triple IPA. I saw Whiplash. I then saw the other brewers posted on the front. I went, "Yeah, I love them." Yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter what it is. I'll, I'll just drink this. You know, um, with the, the, you know, with those breweries, it should be a good one. I've, yeah. I've heard some really good things about that as well. So, absolutely. Um, again, Whiplash, another brewery that don't put a massive amount of information on their cans. So, um, it just tells me that it's got water, barley, oats, wheat, hops, and yeast in it, as the North did. So, this should be exactly the same beer because it's got all the same ingredients in. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Um, same, same. Yeah. Well, so this is offshore, Burt Mill, New England Dipper, eight percent. It does have a bit of flavour text, though. Oh, far offshore, we started with a grist of extra pale oats and shit for a light, soft malt profile with plenty of body. Whirlpool with citra and HBC four seven two, then dry hop with strata, citra, Idaho, and HBC six three zero for aromas of ripe citrus and mango. So, let's see if they hold up their claims. Yeah, absolutely. We get these beers uh, poured. For those of you who didn't see the can, it's got a lovely person with a typewriter head, because of course. Yeah, your um, classic whiplash. Yep, yep. Just, uh, but not quite body horror, but uh, it's, <laughs> you know, I don't think they're far off um, getting to that point. Maybe when we see them with other breweries like Ardois Theory or something like that. Uh, Leviathan from from um, a little bit north, 
a little bit more metal uh, breweries, then maybe you'll uh, you'll see something a little bit more darker in their um, can art. But well, it's pouring a really lovely head, nice thick, sort of a, a light golden, sort of orangey apricot sort of color to it. Mm. Very soft aroma. Not getting much at all. Getting a little bit of like soft, sort of ripe apricot and peach, sort of those mm. stone fruits, sort of ripe peach sort of flavour. Bit of mango. There's very little else. There's a like just a like a hint of sort of a piney, sort of hoppy note just on the finish to the nose. That but that head really looks like it's it. sticking around as well. Yeah, she's holding well. It is. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> Get into it. Oh, no carbonation. No no bitterness on the front, sorry. And the, there's carbonation, but there's no, none of that carbonic bite, you know, that you get mm-hmm. at the start quite often. It's just really, really smooth. Really soft. There's a little bit of like a dank, sort of that dank resinous sort of, Almost oily hop flavor just at the very yeah. start, but it flows really, really swiftly into these really tropical soft fruits. Getting loads of mango. Yeah, loads of mango. A little bit of like that sort of fleshy sort of apricot sort of flavor, that sort of slightly riper, sweeter sort of flavor just towards the end, sort of like almost like sticky fruits. Uh, but it sort of develops then into a light, sort of dry, piney sort of flavour. That dank sort of note that I was talking about earlier comes back just on the finish. Yep. So as as it finishes, the sweetness sort of dissipates and you get that sort of grassy, piney sort of flavour. But there's absolutely no bitterness in the finish at all. Mm. It just ends sort of slightly resinous, slightly dry and dank. Mm. Oh, nice. A lot of the beers that I've had from Burt Mill have had that more bitter finish to yeah them. i was expecting it to be more of a you know a, a new new england style you know where you get mm. that nice smooth juicy flavor and then it has a, a an assertive sort of bitterness on the finish whereas this is just pure juice but you it's it's not like overly tropical it's not overly fruity mm-hmm. it's very balanced and that resin on the finish just it brings those hot flavors through just without that dry bitter bite to it yep Yep. No, they've 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 nailed that one. I've got to say. Perfect. I remember. I cannot remember what the beer was called uh, last year, but um, there was a burnt mill, um, which was absolutely in my one of my top beers uh, from last year. Uh, they 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 do seem to be able to just absolutely nail some beers, and and they yeah. are they feel so much more elevated. Uh, than a lot of other stuff of a similar style or something because burnt mills seem to have a way of combining flavors and making them work very very well uh, and and not kind of overdoing it really it, it, yeah. it isn't kind of we have made this a juice bomb and you absolutely know it it's like oh no i I feel like this is a juice bomb. We haven't sort of made it like that. Yeah, not but, like all these other breweries that are going for the, oh, look, it looks like a smoothie juice yes. bomb. You know, it's 
It's straw colored. It's completely opaque. Feels like they've gone right. We're going to make this style. We're going to use these, and we're just going to nail the flavor. Yeah, you know, absolutely. we're not going to up it. We're not going to hype it about, but we're just going to nail that style for what we what we're going for. Mm. And yeah, no, I'm I'm impressed with that. Brilliant. Good. Um, headlines. Let's see. Ten point five percent. I imagine I'll drink it slow, but I probably won't. Um, it, it poured as it sits now with absolutely no head at all. Yeah. Um, I uh, hesitate to look at the date, um, but oh, I know it has been out a while. But it's yeah, it's it's printed sort of very awkwardly at length. They always are. Think it's the seventeenth of November twenty one, so that is in three months' time. So this is probably three months old, something like that. If they've given yeah. it a six month sort of uh, date, I think uh, Whiplash do normally go do a six month. Mm. Oh, oh, it's got that kind of already the, the the last few kind of dippers and things that I've had. Um, is the day up there still? No. Um, kind of from the day and uh, I had several weeks ago now and a few. It has this kind of earthy note to it. it, it I've noticed this little bit of a trend that these dippers have started to go away from these shoe spots and more into this kind of more earthy, not quite oniony sort of uh, uh, note to them, but they're definitely edging towards that at the moment. Yeah, I've I've noticed that a lot more with a lot of breweries for, like you say the dippers there it was always a, a classic flavor i found with verdant was they had that oniony that mosaic yep. oniony vegetal sort of flavor mm. and i noticed that also with um overtone i've had a lot oh, of their yeah. dippers lately and they all have this underlying vegetal oniony sort of flavor which sounds horrible when you say it yeah but it actually it cuts through and it's there's something really nice about it you know it it just sort of it brings through forward the alcohol brings forward those flavors mm. and i've definitely I, I don't know whether it's a certain way of dry hopping whether it's a cold you know dry hopping when it's colder or something like that that they're doing yep but it's definitely been a flavor profile that i've seen a lot more as well mm. and that it, it comes through in the flavor Oh, wow. But there's a lot of other stuff going on in there as well. <laughs> Jesus. There's so much going on in this. Mm. So, again, as with the North, it's kind of almost one block of flavor. It doesn't kind of deviate from that as it goes through um it doesn't kind of start slightly differently to how it sort of finishes it, it feels like it's flavor this is yeah. <laughs> this is everything you are getting um and it does have that kind of more vegetable kind of backbone to it but there's a little bit of sweetness in there as well absolutely from that being 10.5 percent yeah there's just something else in there as well, which is kind of just buried underneath these things, which which maybe have which could have been you know absolutely up here and it's just been brought right down by the sort of the oniony kind of flavor and and the combination of stuff that they've sort of put into this. But it's it's interesting in that it's quite flat as well. 
like it, it's not flat in terms of a um you know like an ale like a cask ale kind of thing it, it's yeah. not that sort of flat it's just very very lightly carbonated that you're not picking up anything from the carbonation at all more yeah. that it's full bodied as well so it's not you know it's not your kind of um your old man's cask ale which is a little bit watery and is very flat. This has that sort of smoothness to it. It's got a little bit more of a bigger body. Um, yeah, it's it just not, brings smooths out the mouthfeel. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's more, it's not quite sort of juice. Um, and it isn't edging towards that kind of soupy end. But it's it's somewhere around that kind of space that it just feels a little bit more full. Um, and with it being flat, absolutely fine. I, it, as long as it's got that full body to it, I will take flat every single day. Um, it's interesting in that it is very, very sweet, but it I, has, I, that has that vegetable note to it as well. Like both of them feel like they should be working against each other. That that, that doesn't sound like two things that should go together, but they kind of actually do, and I think. Out of all of the beers that I've had in the last few weeks that have had this more vegetable, earthy kind of note to them, this seems to balance it out just a little bit better, which I imagine is hard to do at it being 10.5%. And I imagine it's probably quite hard to do is it at it being a four-brewery collaboration as well, because yeah. you have Whiplash going, hey... We, we want to do this with you guys. And one of the brewers would go, maybe we should do this. And the other brewer would go, okay, yeah, I like that. Let's let's do this as well. And then the other brewer goes, okay, yeah, let's throw this in. And, you know, the, the, the idea that you've got all of these voices going in, that they actually have come up with a beer which is pretty solid in its flavor, um, that it isn't going Sounds over nice. all of these different sort of places or trying to do anything absolutely nuts or, or crazy. Um, I said the word soupy earlier that it's not and I've just realised that it's garage on the front and pretty much all of their beers kind of edge towards that sort of soupy kind of end so uh, you can considering kind of, their beers are called soup yes yes absolutely you can you can see maybe where each of these kind of breweries are bringing in their little bit of expertise rather than it being oh do this or do this or do this. It's them them coming in and saying, "Hey, maybe this is your recipe." And I maybe if you up this or you were just to change this a little bit, then you'd get this kind of mouthfeel. Is that something that you want? You know, it feels like this is like pure collaboration to come up with a very solid kind of flavour, um, and it does have that quality that you get from like Barrier or, or Napal beer. Um, you know, one of those kind of like newer American breweries as well. Yeah, so. it brings a fuller mouthfeel. Brings up mm. there, there's something about American breweries that seem to have noticed. Lucy's having a lot of American ones lately, and so you mm. the KCBCs and things. Yes, there's something about them that it just they they have a fuller mouthfeel. They've got a fuller flavor profile through their body. If you know what I mean. Yeah, there's something very different to them. Like I've I recently did an order and got a few Treehouse and Trilliums and things like mm. that. And 
granted, they're not worth what you pay for them over here, I don't think. I think we've got enough breweries that are getting close enough. Sure. But there is that, they're, they're another level. There's something yeah. very, very different about them. And it's difficult to, to decide, work out exactly what it is that is making it different. Like, I think it, my, my theory is that it must be something to do with the water treatment or something like that because they use yes. the same hops, they use the same everything else. But there's something about it that gives it that mouthfeel and that texture that you don't get with other beers over here. Mm. Absolutely. And I'd be interested to see if they taste similarly over there as well because obviously they're they're traveling a lot further than a lot of the beers that we that we have here whether they are from the uk or kind of european and stuff yeah they're coming over uh you know a fair old distance whether that's sat again in um you know customs for however long and in shipping for however long and then in the the actual haulage however long that I never feel that with an American beer you're ever going to get it that fresh over here. Yeah. Yet they feel fresh. Yeah. They feel like I I feel like this is how the beer would taste if I was there and they just tapped it. And and you'd kind of think yeah, it probably isn't, but it, they just have that quality to them that even with that you know, uh, exporting to over here that they they just retain something and have something just that little bit extra to them as well. Well, what I'm listening to that, what I heard a lot about a lot of the breweries over in America and when I was in Australia as well, is they tend to brew them to be green, a bit right. overly green when yep. they're released. I know the owner of Treehouse actually recently, well, not recently, about a year ago, went out and publicly said, he doesn't want his beers being drunk within two months. Oh wow! Because he feels he feels they don't age; they age better after a month to two months. They actually mellow out and they smooth out, and you get mm. a better flavor profile. Okay. Um. So it was. But this is when I was in Australia. A lot of my friends were, you know, importing them from, you know, America and Australia, and that's exactly what they said: was that they're actually ideally drank at three months old, two to three months old. Because the the hot burn has gone down, mm. um, it's it's very strange. The scene in Australia is very much following the scene in in the US. Mm-hmm. They're really going down the hot bomb, you know, the uh, other half style Trillium Treehouse, you know, really packing as many hops as possible. And a case with a lot of the Australian beers when I was there was I was buying them straight off the canning line, and you're drinking them, and they are full of hot burn you know you take yeah. two or three sips and the bitterness just builds and builds and builds and it feels like you're chewing varnish <laughs> uh, which i quite like i quite like a little bit of hot burn you know i like a west coast sort of style but yeah. it was they were getting a lot of criticism for a lot of other people that were used to the softer more classic styles of new england ipas mm. which have got no bitterness at all which are really smooth so it's a whereas the uk seems to have sort of stuck to their guns if you know what yes. i mean i I, you never hear of many UK beers having hot burn to them. Mm, absolutely, you know, they seem they seem to condition them well and yeah. condition them almost to the extent that it's been conditioned too long. Completely, I think there's only been a couple of beers that I've had which have had that hot burn to them, and and they've been, I think, Left Handed Giant was one, um, and again, you know, I'd I 
I'd grab that beer maybe three or four days off the canning line and and had it because it's here. So it went straight out to the bottle shops and I'd had that. And again, I think that was a might have been a collaboration beer with someone. Um, the, the, I never remember the name of it, but it was a while back. And and you know that they've tried to pack in kind of as much flavour as possible. So you, you do get that um, uh, with it as well. So, yeah, I, I can see we, we don't get that over here very much. Um, I, I wonder whether that's more to do with not tradition as such, but just the the process that the where kind of UK breweries have kind of come from rather than trying to emulate something else. You know, we've we very much kind of, as you say, stuck to our guns in terms of being this is where kind of beer was and we've just evolved it. Evolved and yes, gradually, yeah. Yeah, we we have taken some influence from the States and, and what they've been doing in kind of craft beer for the last ten or fifteen 20 years and the uk has really kind of emerged in say the last i don't know maybe six six to eight years something like that when people had started to push through with kind of more craft level kind of beers rather than it being more sort of traditional cask uh, um sort of styles and things so they, 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 they absolutely you can see in the uk how it's evolved through from that um and it's kind of a lot of the time what you're drinking now kind of a a new england dipper and you can sort of see that it's a new england but it's also like a new new england so it it's doing some yeah. things but it's also throwing other stuff in as well but that will be the influence of the style but perhaps also the influence of the trends that are going on with beers but also how burnt mill have established themselves and brewed over however many years they've been kind of doing it and where they've all come from and who they've been brewing for kind of before um it's definitely more not unique over here but there is absolutely a difference between beer here and a beer in the u.s and then there'll be a big difference between beer here and a beer in say like from spain so like you know the basque land and, and things like that or a beer from sort of other places in europe as well you know obviously germany completely different beer yeah most of the time so it's, it's it's absolutely i think key for anyone who is getting into sort of craft beer and the scene and enjoys you know maybe the same kind of beers every week but it's a little bit more on sort of the crafty side and they've got their fridge fillers and things like that that they go for to you know maybe just step out every now and again go to the bottle shop and go Mm, yeah, I can stretch to 10 quid for a beer from the States just to see yeah. what that difference is. Or I can get a Basque Land or a Garage or, or something else, which again might be a little bit more expensive just to see maybe the differences between that. Because everyone will have completely different tastes. And whether you've kind of come up through the UK craft beer scene over the last sort of eight years or so and have got to the to a point with the beers out now or whether you're kind of new to the scene and actually you might find that if you've come from like lager or or you haven't drunk very much before or you've come from cider or, or whatever you kind of drunk before when you get into craft beer suddenly you might just have that beer from somewhere else and think 
Well, it's a now a very expensive habit because I can only drink ten pound cans of beer. It is a very expensive habit. But one thing I was thinking was maybe it was or could also be the accessibility of the hops. When you think yeah. these these New England styles, these juicy styles, the hops that you need for them are from New Zealand, Australia, mm-hmm. or the US. Where obviously in the UK it's going to cost a lot more to get a hold of them. Yes. You know, I think that could be why you see you notice American beers tend to be green, and Australian beers tend to be a lot greener because mm. they can get the accessibility of these hops a lot cheaper, and chuck in. You know, it wasn't it, it was never surprising to see twenty five to thirty grams per liter of hops dry hopped in Australia and America, whereas over here I think the most I've ever seen is about twenty grams per liter as a dry hop. Yeah. You know, the average is 50 to 16 grams for a dipper over here, mm. which is, you know, half what they do over there. So that could be where this green, you know, this hop forward sort of nature is changing as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Whether it's that additional cost uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, like import tax or, or, or just the fact that it's more expensive to get it over here, that suddenly it becomes a little bit more um financially viable to only put 15% in rather than 20% on that and stuff. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, like, like what you're saying, I think it's for anyone that is getting into craft beer and getting into that sort of thing. And, you know, like you said, trying all your different style things. One of the things when I was in London, which was one of the best experiences was go to your, try and find your local craft beer shop or your local craft beer bar and, I mean, maybe it's because I've been traveling a lot by myself and things. I would quite often go to bars and, you know, sit down, grab a beer and just start chatting to the barman, start chatting to someone else. And you almost get bullied. You almost feel like you've got to try something a bit different, try these different styles that they've got. And because that's how I got into craft beer in the first place, was I went over to Australia. I liked craft beer, but I wasn't into it at all. And I went and sat in a craft beer bar, ordered a couple of beers and a couple of guys next to me sort of went, oh, you're, you're Scottish, where are you from? And started abusing me and, you know, taking the <laughs> piss out of me and living in Australia and whatnot. And they just started buying different beers and sharing them with me. Mm. And, you know, that was the first time I tried a, a barrel-aged bourbon stout, Sierra Nevada Norwal. And they bought that and they tried that. I'd never had a stout before. The last stout I'd had was Guinness. And I, yeah. I'm not a Guinness fan. And tried this. I was like, holy shit. What's this? Like, you know, it, it tastes like a cross between whiskey and beer and, you know, it's thick and syrupy. And like you say, you, the, the differences between a New England IPA here to a New England IPA in Spain or a New England IPA in America or Australia is massive. Mm. And I think that's what's so exciting about the craft beer scene is an IPA isn't an IPA, if you know what I mean. An IPA yes. can have so many different flavor profiles throughout it. And so many differences and nuances that it's um, you, you, you learn to suffer from FOMO very badly because an IPA from one brewery is very different to an IPA from another brewery. To so you've got to try it to know exactly whether you like it or not. Yeah, completely, absolutely. Uh, I think we talked about it on an episode uh, not too long ago um, when um, Tom had joined us uh, from We Are Beer. Um, uh, talking about the um, like the idea of kind of event beers and stuff, uh, you know, they, they 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 were bringing out kind of like the, a beer for the for the festivals, being kind of locally brewed and stuff, 
and how that is kind of where the only place you will ever kind of get that sort of beer. But it kind of leads on to a, a conversation about like the experimentation that the the sort of the scene had previously and how everyone was kind of finding their feet and trying out all of these different things. And actually now we're in a place where lots of people, lots of breweries are very comfortable in going, we nail that style. We know exactly what we're doing. And we can hold up a a beer from Brewery X and it's style A and you just go, this is absolutely fantastic. This, This is the best kind of thing. And then suddenly you'll find a different style from, uh, sorry, the same style from a different brewery in a different country. And it will be completely different. And you think yeah. that's, that's, it's nuts that we have such that variety across sort of the space that it does, as Adel always says, there is a beer for everyone. Um, yeah. And just because of the amount of people making them, the amount of different ingredients going into them, how people interpret different recipes and different styles and things like that. So it's wonderful that we have such a varied, range of beers to kind of uh, draw from really well it's like, it's like the whole sour scene that has mm. changed now i remember back when i first started to get into craft beer you know eight ten years ago and a sour was a farmhouse style you know a wild yeast that was potentially fruited but you know it was all about funky flavors you know farmhouse mm. you got hay you got all those sort of acid and you know you get you get halfway through your beer and you'd be getting acid reflux and you'd be you sort of you know just your, your mouth would be burning, but you'd be trying to appreciate it. This is my experience anyway. <laughs> I'm not one for saisons and sours. But now you say sour, and it can be from a farmhouse to a saison, to a pastry sour, to a Berliner Weiss, to a gosa. What What is a gosa now? Mm. Omnipolo have destroyed what the term gosa means because Omnipolo brought up the Bianca range of gosas, which are just big smoothies with you know, that are full of lactose and, but they've got a bit of salt in them. <laughs> so they're now a gosa. So, you know, the tar- the styles have just expanded so much that, like you say, when I worked at Brewdog, I always like to say, if someone said to me, oh, I don't like beer, I always used to like to say, look, I'm going to find your beer on this. You know, we've got 30 beers here. I'm going to find one that I know you're going to like. Yeah. And it's not going to be the cider. It's going to be a beer. So, yeah, it's it, it's exciting seeing all that sort of stuff, and like you say, the diversity just in terms of the UK, you could you can see a huge diversity from one brewery to another, just in terms of their brewing techniques and their brewing styles. Yes, and then you move to another country, and it's exactly the same. It's like a boundary from obviously local to me mm. is their IPAs and their dippers are really really you you can tell them from other ones because. It, it's a brewing fault, but I think they under-ferment their beers. So there's always a real underlying sweetness to them. They're mm. always slightly sickly sweet. There's a bit more sweetness to them. Yeah. They obviously add a good bit of lactose, a good bit of oats. They get that lovely smooth mouthfeel. But there's always an underlying sweetness. And it's you, you, you start to notice different breweries have different flavor profiles that only they have. Completely, completely. And, and we talk about it all the time with, uh, you know, you, you know a day of beer. You know a cloud wall beer. Yeah. You know a left-handed giant beer. That, 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 that certain breweries have absolutely nailed what they are not necessarily good at, but what they kind of know and want their beers to be like. So it can be a pale, it can be an IPA, it can be 
you know, a, a variation of that kind of spectrum of beers, but you know it is from them. I think yeah. it's it's one of those talking about kind of boundary. Um, I think it's the export stout that they do, um, and it, it's kind of you know stout very different from the other kind of styles of beers they do, and with it switching to a very different beer you don't lose that kind of uniqueness that you get you know but it's 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 slightly less kind of identifiable than yeah. it, than it would be from say having a dipper from them and being like oh yeah i i know that this is a boundary but i think that it's it's again it's one of those that everyone should kind of sort of experience every business should kind of look to experience of being right yeah we do dippers all the time let's do a stout because yeah. we love stouts and let's just see what we can do and then work on that and build on it an export stout is a nice stout absolutely if I'm in the mood for a stout and I just want something very very solid I know that I can get export stout from Boundary or I could go to someone like Good Chemistry and have their stout and just be like yep yeah, it's just a solid stout yeah, and it's very very good without it having to have all the adjuncts or try something slightly different or be pushing the um, style kind of in a certain sort of way so yes breweries have their definite kind of uh, identifiers and we have these styles that we're always pushing we have these influences from say America and all these sorts of things but then again then you have these breweries that just go this is just a solid beer that yeah. I could drink every day and they should never change what they do with this beer because it's it's fine just the way it kind of is. And it sort of doesn't pull you out of craft as such, which I always think is the idea that you're kind of experimenting, you're enhancing, you're That's exactly... always sort of changing what you're doing. I get asked a lot... When I was when I used to work in breweries, I used to get asked a lot, "What what what does craft mean?" Mm. And so, like, oh, well, like, there's very there's a lot of definitions, but my personal definition was that it's it's a brewery that is constantly evolving, constantly trying yes. new things and bringing out new style. You know, a craft brewery doesn't have a core range that they stick to, and that that's all they brew. They may have a couple of core beers, but they're always bringing out something new. Every beer is a new beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can bring out the same IPA, but there's always something slightly different to it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, my definition of craft is someone, like you say, is a brewery that's always bringing out something different, always experimenting, always trying something new. I'd completely agree. Which is where, yeah. Mm. And and again, I, I think it's, it's interesting that we get to these points as well where you can kind of say, you know, you, you've got kind of uh, Becoming North from Good Chemistry or the Export Stout from um, from Boundary and yes, they may keep the recipe very similar between batches but it's not uh, it's not always exactly the same they, they, yeah. you know, they might try and make it very similar but actually they say, well we put you know, this amount of uh, 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 of kind of malts in, but actually what we've done is we've then balanced the malts slightly differently in this batch and it tastes incredibly similar. And for those who kind of aren't looking for it, probably comes across as exactly the same um, and very consistent through sort of their batches. But 
for some people you would go oh no i can see a slight difference in this between kind of the last one and it's still you know yes it's kind of a core sort of beer that they push out all the time but it it doesn't it still has its nuances exactly it has the nuances it doesn't come away from that craft sort of thing they're not trying to be consistent you know they're not trying to be like right we need to be regimented in how we make this beer every single time it doesn't need to be this 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 and this all the time brewed on the same kit constantly to the same conditions all the time by the same five people it can have those little variations to it um and it and again it will be that it's not even the idea of perfecting the beer or the craft of that it's just that you know batch number one tastes great to some people and batch number two tastes great to a different set of people but both batches taste okay okay uh, most both batches may taste good to most people and i think it's that kind of thing that keeps people kind of being craft but allows them to maybe sort of step their game up that that little bit and sort of say well we do want a core set of beers but we're still playing around with these kinds of things yeah so that was a nice big chat on beers yeah. and after we kind a bit of more beer forward this podcast i think <laughs> it's good it's good every now and again to have a big beery episode um i mean we, we probably almost finished the beers that we're actually uh cracked into um the burnt meal and the whiplash they're, they're not that far off, but we should probably get back into a little bit of gaming chat, perhaps. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, anything else there is to, to kind of discuss. Um, I think we, we kicked off with Humankind, um, and that is, that is the only game that I have uh, played this last few days, uh, apart from 12 Minutes, um, which I think... Had I published? I don't think the review had published by the last episode. So if you'd like to go to outoflives.net, you can see my review on 12 Minutes. It definitely has published because I saw it earlier this yes. week. I have yes. listened, to, listened to it. So Perfect. Um, I've, I've, I've been tempted to jump in on that since your review because I know how much you enjoyed it. So. Uh, yeah. it's, it's really good. It's really good. Um, which, was, which was strange because I just heard a podcast just before your review and someone wasn't enjoying it. Oh, so it's, really? It's really interesting seeing how divisive the reviews of 12 Minutes has been. I think it's not maybe just 12 Minutes. I think it's kind of... It's it's sort of all games at the moment, right? We've... we've I think this comes from the diversification of the industry getting that little bit better. In that people who maybe aren't... You know, if we get a code in for a... A strategy game out of lives it's kind of like who wants to play this and most likely people who like strategy games will go i would like to play this game i will absolutely review it so we'll come to it from a very specific perspective yeah and i think lots of outlets are getting better at giving games to people who they may not be necessarily kind of in their wheelhouse because perhaps you can be a bit more objective about things 
when you're kind of coming out a little bit fresh. Uh, people will have maybe a little bit more depth coming at it when they are veterans of a a certain genre. But but some people may go, oh, this didn't bring this up, and you think, oh, okay, yeah, good point. That that's not something I would have even thought about because I'm so ingrained in the way that these games play that that is what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for this thing that you have pointed out, absolutely. And I think that's maybe why 12 Minutes has been so divisive, because it it sort of sits between a point-and-click adventure and this kind of... this this narrative kind of looping game where you're kind of puzzling through each of these sorts of elements. So I I can see absolutely that that would be a very divisive game. Um, and there's there's certain points about it which I think people could get very hung up on, um, which, again, as someone who's played lots of these kinds of games, I can kind of just just brush off and be like, well, it's just it's just this kind of game. That's why that's why this thing doesn't quite present as well because it's just this style of game. Um, I know one um, I can't remember who it was from one review. Um, didn't like the voice work and I think not to say that that person got confused necessarily but I don't think it was the voice work they didn't like I think it was the way that the game worked in how it presented the voice work so it it threw was this the giant bomb it might have been in that so I, I, everything I kind of overlapped. Yeah, everything overlapped a little bit too much. I was listening to it having read yours. Mm, mm. And they were saying it felt very disjointed, Yes, the voice work. It yeah. felt like it was, you know, James McAvoy had recorded all his lines and then Daisy Ridley had recorded her, all her lines and then they put them together. Yes. Rather than them all doing them in sequence. Yeah, and, I, and actually I... Um, I thought differently. I, you know, and, and said to I don't know if um, if they recorded them kind of together, which I do now know that they did record them together. Daisy Ridley and James McAvoy were ah. actually in the same studio recording, you know, removed from each other, but uh, but together. And it was uh, Willem Dafoe recorded in a different booth because it was in a completely different country while COVID was going on, sort of thing. So, um, I, I I think it was that the the lines were delivered very well. I think it was more the... It, it's the game, right? It's these two characters are having this conversation and something else has triggered, which then interrupts that. So then this conversation kind of still goes on, but doesn't. And that's how it kind of feels a little bit kind of disjointed that sometimes... Kind of fragmented. Exactly, and it's like, I've said A, so then the response is this. And if I'd have said B, the response would be this. But something else, because I've then picked up a different item earlier on, there's another bit of dialogue that kicks in just before this response. So I think the process of all of those bits of dialogue kind of fitting together was maybe not quite as fluid as it could have been. Um, or, yeah, I mean, it might be... I might, it may be exactly as fluid as it could have been. We may just not be at a point where it can be any better than it is, say, for the technology or the engine that was yeah. used or, or whatever the resources they had kind of 
uh, to work with. So I think it was kind of n delivered very well in terms of um, you know the lines and and the portrayal that they were having, and especially because you don't see any facial features of these characters. Everything is from top down, so you only yeah. see the tops of their heads and like their shoulders. You 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 cannot take any emotion or nuance from facial features everything is just delivered on those spoken lines so I think it was acted very well it just wasn't quite portrayed as well as the acting kind of gave it and again I think that is the big divisive point between all of you know all of the reviews really um, and I can see why, but as I did to my kind of original point, I think I picked up on that it was maybe the process and how it's put to you and presented to you because of the style of the game and those sorts of things, where some of the reviews that I read were very like, mm, it just doesn't work, and didn't really delve much more into that because yeah. they didn't kind of look further into it let's say um, there may be loads of reasons why that was the case but um, yeah I, I think it's it's almost kind of wonderful that we have this diversity in kind of people um, reviewing games and as we have always said on this podcast find reviewers that you like and look at their work don't don't let it be just an outlet and be like, oh, I take all of my reviews from IGN or from, uh, you know, Giant Bomb or, or I only listen to the the, the the Bombcast or something like that. And that is everything. It, it's kind of finding that diversity and finding those different voices, but also then tailoring it to knowing kind of the people that you like and what they like and be like, yeah, I like 90% of the games that they like. So actually, I'm probably very informed by their their decisions on this kind of game um, because if they've reviewed 12 minutes and they're not quite as au fait with that sort of style of game then perhaps you're not as au fait with that style of game because you tend to gravitate towards this person and their point of view and that's absolutely fine so it's it's just interesting that we've got to a point where like with beer with all of these people doing all of these different things <laughs> That we're now kind of hearing games as well. It's not all the same voices constantly. And that we have all of these kind of opinions which almost kind of butt up against each other. There's there's almost never a 100% yes, this was this. Someone will always have that slight dissenting kind of view on things. And I think kind of almost as a as a kind of like a consumer callum that it must be very difficult to kind of navigate almost yeah i think that's definitely something that i've noticed like like you say just looking at the 12 minutes review the humankind review splitgate all of them were 7.5 8 mm. you know no no one Sort of suddenly, everyone said, "This is brilliant. This is going to be game of the year." You know, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, every time I looked at twelve minutes, it was some reviewers like yourself were saying, "This is brilliant. I absolutely love it." 
some reviewers were saying, oh, no, it's not for me. It's not my sort of thing. And it's sort of, like you say, you've got to sort of follow the reviewers that you enjoy, but you've also got to sort of follow your own sort of instinct a bit yeah. now because yeah. it's very much, a, am I going to enjoy this style of game? If I am, I'm just going to have to give it a go because, like you say, they're obviously distributing it to more reviewers that aren't in the, the normal wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So you can't always trust a review to be, yep, this is going to be 100% exactly what I want. Uh, like, like you say, 12 minutes, it's not my style of game. I'm not a point-and-click sort of adventure sort of player. So I sort of knew no matter what the reviews were, it wasn't going to be 100% for me. Whereas Humankind, I was looking through hundreds of reviews before I got into it because yeah. I was like, am I going to enjoy this? Am I not? I like strategy games, but I fall off them very quickly if they're a little bit slow, a little bit boring. Mm-hmm. So Civ, I enjoyed to a point, but it's nothing that I'm fanatical about. Whereas Endless Legend, I absolutely fell in love with. So I saw some reviews saying it was fantastic, some reviews saying it was average, and it, it got to a point where you just go, oh, no, bugger it. I'm just going to jump in. I'm going to download it. I'm going to make my own opinion for myself. Completely. And I think that's, it's, it's a good point to uh, move into the joy of Game Pass. Um, but whilst we kind of have Game Pass and all of these games which are free, it doesn't mean that your time is kind of equal between all of these exactly, things yeah. as well. That that even with Game Pass and, you know, the the three games that appear this week or the four games that appear next week and, and um Humble um bundle, which now publish games as well, um caveat that with saying I think they're owned by the same parent company as IGN these days. So they're not kind of an independent space now that they're, they're they're owned by a, a bigger corporation. But they are going to be releasing um, some games onto Game Pass day one as well now. So it's not just Microsoft games and a few little independent games that come in game day one. Uh, Microsoft are bringing in more kind of publishers as well to put X number of games on day one as well. Um, and the choice is then, as we were talking earlier about the choice, you know, all of these beers that you can buy. All of these games that you can play are right there for you, but not all of them should or would command the same amount of time or headspace from you. And it can be quite uh, paralyzing in in terms of what should I play next with all of these kinds of games. But also, I think that's then where reviews are still a very relevant kind of thing whilst these kind of financial models are maybe changing and reviews like should i pay 40 quid for this game i think much more now it's should i you know have i got two hours yeah can i give give over to to this game? game absolutely especially when we've been talking earlier about only having a certain amount of time kind of in a day or even just in a week to be able to get into something, you you kind of want to know that you're not just going to lose an hour and be like, oh, oh yeah. I well, just I've, didn't I've get been on in, that. I've been in exactly that boat. Obviously, mm. coming back in the game pass, and you'll notice the games that I've chosen are all the ones that have been highly reviewed mm. or you know reviewed by a large number of people. I've not jumped into games that you know not many people reviewed or have not been big on you know the games list. You know, yeah, Doom, Split. Splitgate, Humankind, all these games have been 
massively reviewed, and that's why they've been on my radar. So it's exactly why I've gone right and jump into that. The the other game that I downloaded was Hades. Right. So yeah. you know, game of the year last year, and it's already being pinned for people saying it should be game of the year again this year because <laughs> it's having a new resurgence of Xbox now. It's on Game Pass. Yeah. Because suddenly its popularity has gone through the roof, and I, I finished it on PC, and I downloaded Game Pass. It's like, oh, Hades is out. I'll give it a go on a big, you know, 70-inch OLED. I'll see what, how it's upscaled. And it's stunning. Yeah. It's absolutely. You could, you could sit there, and you, wouldn't, you couldn't even play the game. You could just run around in circles, and you'd be happy. <laughs> because it is just, it's been scaled. It's been scaled beautifully to the console. It works, it works really well. And, yeah, you can see exactly why that game has had the accolades that it's had. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 how much time have you put into Hades? Oh, I put... When I got on PC, year, when it first came out, mm-hmm. I put, you know, five, six hours or so in, you know, just completed the first run through. I didn't do a, I didn't do a rerun. And on Xbox, I probably put another hour or two in or so. Okay. You know, I'm, you know, a fair bit through it, but not that far. Mm. But it's just, it's one of those comfort games that, you know, if you if you want something satisfying. I, I don't play roguelikes. I, I normally hate roguelikes. And this was the game that converted me. You know, it shows why it's been so highly regarded. Mm. It's, uh, you know, there's something about the gameplay loop to it, the narration, the story to it, the characters and everything. It's just really, really excellently, excellently done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we talked about it a lot on the podcast yeah, um, that's why I didn't bring it up earlier because I know you'd already discussed it a lot. Yes, yeah. Um, I I think it was kind of almost like universally loved. I don't think talking about kind of like reviews and things. I don't think I've seen anyone give kind of a dissenting opinion on Hades. Really, yeah. it, it it's one that has just hit really well for kind of everyone, or or those it hasn't hit well for. They've gone, yeah, fine. I'll just move on to sort of the next thing. But there's not a yeah. negative kind of word to sort of say about it, almost. Um, and it's, it's again, that is why you want to have kind of those reviews. So you know that Hades, if you haven't played it, unlike us, when it comes to Game Pass. Or, again, it came to PlayStation as well for a, a fee. I don't know how much that would have been. Um, and for those, I suppose, on on Xbox without Game Pass, I guess, um, it was available for them. People on Xbox without Game Pass? Yeah. <laughs> Nutters. Absolutely nuts. I know. Um, but, yeah, available on, on those consoles as well now, and you're saying it should be kind of like contender for Game of the Year for this year. I think that's almost that would be three years in a row, really, that it could be contender, because uh, I think 2019 would have been its early access um, release. I think, which is when I played it and talked about it a reasonable yeah. amount, and then last year when Adol and Lucy also played it and chatted about it, would have been the full experience, um, and full release, and then this year as well uh, for people who are just playing it on console. Um, I think it came out on Switch last year, maybe, as well. Uh, but it, it kind of almost, again, begs the question about the, the, the sort of the way that kind of websites and reporting kind of goes on sort of games. In that, like, 
here's a review of a game, but actually six months down the line, it might be a very different kind of game. And actually, yeah. not many outlets kind of return to that and say, hey, we've, we've gone back to this game and this is all of the new stuff. And actually, it's gone from a six to an eight because of all of these new things that they've implemented. And now, actually, it's the full release of this kind of game. And I, I think that's kind of why we, uh, as, a, as the podcast, um, did our end of year kind of chats a little bit differently of not being like these are just the 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 best games that have kind of come out these these are the games we want to talk about these are the games we want to tell people about and these are the ones that have had the biggest impact on us kind of through the year irrelevant of whether they came out this year or last year or were 20 yeah. years old or, or, or kind of whatever they've sort of been and I, I i think we've almost kind of in a space now in games where because a lot of very good curation um, of kind of like gaming space and stuff that lots of experiences can be still played now or revisited through remasters or, or, or kind of upraised versions of things like that that we kind of live at a point where reviews are even more important than they've kind of ever been really yeah in, the, in this age definitely with the like you say with Game Pass with the diversity and the massive amount of games there are you know you can go oh i feel like playing an rpg today and jump on game pass and you go to rpg and there's 500 rpgs to choose from mm. some are new some are old you know age age is nothing when they were released there's nothing to do with it now because like you say there's re-releases final fantasy 7 you know games are getting updated and moved on constantly yeah so it it does require you know being able to read these reviews and read, you know, tie in with someone, a reviewer that you appreciate and you listen to mm-hmm. and you feel like, you know, what they enjoy, you're going to enjoy. Like you say, because time is short yeah. and, you know, there's there's only so much time you can put to put, like I was saying earlier about with playing No Man's Sky and The Witcher, mm. you know, a lot of these games, you've got to put a good few hours in to start with. And, you know, you can't put it three hours in every day to a game that you're not enjoying or that isn't going to click with you. And that's a lot what it takes. It takes a game to click because, like I said, I'd, I'd never played roguelikes that I've enjoyed Yeah. until I played Hades. And suddenly I fell in love with Hades and, you know, you can't stop playing it. Mm-hmm. But up until then, there's been loads of roguelikes that have won awards and things like that before then, you know. Um, oh, God, I can't remember names. Like, um, like Dead Cells. Dead Cells, yeah, I've tried that. Mm. Didn't enjoy Dead Cells. Didn't enjoy Rogue Rogue Legacy. Yeah. Um, so I, tr- I tried a few. There's a few others that I tried as well. I can't really remember the names of, but hence why I don't play them. <laughs> but Hades fell in love with. Yeah. Good. And, and as we said, there's a beer for everyone. There's probably a game for everyone. Um, there's definitely a genre for everyone. Everyone will gravitate towards those. But again, there's games within genres that you feel that you're not so au okay with or don't want to experience but actually there is a game somewhere that will maybe capture you and just kind of pull you into that genre and that may be the only game you ever want to play within that you know Hades may be the only game you ever play in kind of the roguelike sort of genre Callum but it's built in a way that you can always play that game and, yeah. and that that could be the only game you ever play forever, really. Um, 
So, yes. Um, is there anything further you'd like to discuss this week before we move on to chatting about the beers that we've drank? Mm, I don't think so. Nothing I think of anyway. Trying to think. No, that's fair, man. That's fair. We've covered a lot of stuff this week. We've had a nice big beery chat. We've talked about a lot of games that uh, that you've been playing in, and, uh, and Game Pass itself as well. And how anyone on Xbox should essentially have Game Pass because yeah, it's kind of... I've, I don't have much time to game, but I've still got Game Pass for that few, that little that I can. Mm. Because it just, like you say, you, you feel like you're missing out if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it may be that people who only buy, you know, one or two kind of big releases... A year, you know, Game Pass is a monthly kind of subscription, and it's uh, you know it takes a little bit of money away from those purchases that you might make, um, you know, monthly or kind of even yearly if you're into into a franchise. But I think it's just got such a wealth of experiences for people to play. Yeah, that actually, um, and it and it ties in so many things as well as I, as I mentioned, kind of humble bundle bringing some games kind of day and date. It's got, at least on P- I don't know if it's on console, but on PC, it's got um, EA Play built into it as well. Yeah. So there's loads of the EA games that you can play. There's, there's so On Ultimate, much, it does, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's so much stuff that it it kind of brings in that it, it's, it's sort of almost like Netflix was uh, five years ago where you, you, you kind of had to have it to experience those kinds of new things, really. Otherwise, you were just trudging over the same old stuff, almost. It feels like a a service that you need to find some money for, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that being Microsoft as well, the, the games that you would go, I don't need Game Pass. I'm going to buy this game. It's going to do me for the year are released from Bethesda or, you know, a mm, Microsoft mm. first party studio. And now, you know, they're coming straight to Game Pass anyway. Yep. So it's sort of like, if I didn't have it, I'd still be able to get them, you know, first party anyway. Mm. So now with these big purchases Microsoft have made, all the big games that you would normally say, no, I don't need a monthly subscription. I'm going to buy this one game. 60 quid, it'll do me for the year. That's tied into Game Pass anyway. Yeah. So it's uh you know they've they've expanded sort of so much now within Game Pass that it's buying games is almost archaic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, and it, it feels like for the price that you pay for the for kind of like the normal Game Pass, not not Ultimate, um, but two if you purchase two games a year, and, and one yeah. of them's an EA game, or one of them's a Bethesda game, or one of them's a a, a Microsoft first party game. That it it pays it it's cheaper to pay for standard Game Pass than it is to buy two games from those people day you know on day one, which yeah. is absolutely nuts. Um, Ultimate a little bit more expensive, you know, but but maybe if you buy three of those games from said people, you still are saving money on that. Yeah, and uh, as we talked about. Uh, multiple times as well with Microsoft Rewards, 
where you can chalk up all of these points and the, the, the Game Pass app on uh, on mobile and stuff will log all of your kind of achievements and so no, 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 achievements is the wrong word for Xbox, uh, will log certain things that you do in terms of quests that they have available and you get points towards that. Points then mean you rack them up and you can pay for a month of Game Pass for free. Uh, so it kind of gives back as well in that um, it's it's just an absolutely nuts service really uh, so yeah good uh, a good point to finish out our gaming chat on yeah so we'll move back into our beers for the episode uh, Callum how did you feel about the two that you have had I was impressed on both I've got to mm. say surprised by the Bassland um, but in terms of my favorite, the, the burnt milk, totally, yeah. really, yeah. really impressed. It did exactly what I wanted. Actually, it, 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 it was better than I expected it was going to be. I always, like you said, I, we always liked burnt milk, always impressed with them, but mm. for a New England dipper, it was just bang on, really smooth, soft. Yeah, that got, that got my beer of the night tonight. Good, good. Um, is it... Or are Burnt Mill uh, a brewery that you find often over there? No. Okay. Not very often at all, no. So when I saw that in the bottle shop, I, like you say, I jumped on it straight away. Mm. So there was uh, there was a couple of other verdants and things like that in there that I was like, oh, I might grab that. But I saw the Burnt Mill. I was like, no, quite happy to give up, give up on a verdant that I've had before and give them another go. And please, I did. Yeah, good, good. Um, and that was uh, offshore. Offshore, yeah. Perfect. Excellent. Um, I think for me, I'm going to go with the Whiplash collaboration. Um, yeah. The North was, you know, it was nice. It was a pretty sort of standard beer. Um, it didn't do anything massively. Uh, gave me some some pretty standard sort of flavours. Um, I think the cryo pop um, idea so far hasn't done anything kind of unique um, at least yeah. in, in what I've had from the North beer um, be, good, be good to try a few others and see how they compare absolutely yeah I, I think it's now time for me to to have a look and actually seek these out um, to see what else is being done and, and why this is a like a branded and pushed kind yeah. of thing why is why is this the hop that is being uh, kind of touted about, and why everyone has sort of picked up on this. What 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 has drawn them in to do this? So yeah, I think a little bit more investigation into this is needed. But the Whiplash, um, Jesus, who was it? Um, Naper Beer, Barrier Brewing Co, and Garage Beer. Um, it definitely leans on that sort of vegetable, oniony kind of side of things. Has that sweetness to it? You know, it's a triple. It absolutely hits you like that. Uh, but it balances out the flavour very well between that sweetness and then that kind of more earthy, vegetable sort of flavour to it. So it isn't kind of one way or the other too much. And I think my, not dislike, but my um, reluctance with a few of the dippers that I've had recently, which have edged more towards that kind of vegetable sort of side of things, 
has been that it has been too big in that flavour, that it hasn't had something else balancing it out. Um, it's always had a bit of a sweetness to it, but they felt kind of removed from each other. It's like, here's a sweetness, here's that. Yeah. Kind of oniony kind of flavour. This combines them quite well, and it's a lovely smooth sort of beer. It's got a lovely body and mouthfeel to it as well. And just a, a little hint of quality in there that sort of, I suppose, just 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 lifts it above um, lots of these other kind of dippers that I've had, which I think is quite hard for a triple IPA to sort of almost outperform a double IPA because you know for me at least that that sort of sweet spot is between that kind of eight and nine percent like i i would i would yeah, drink a dipper every on. single day that is that is what hits for me at the moment so yeah, anything i'm 100 percent same anything bigger than that i often feel is just a bit too big and is maybe a little bit too sickly sweet uh, that's exactly what i was going to say it sounds like it's got the balance because i tend to avoid tippers mm. because i find the first two sips, you're like, oh, this is full, this is massive. And then you're like, actually, it's too sickly sweet, yep. I can't finish it. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, the balance on this is is just right. Um, as I said, I didn't, I, 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 you know, you can tell that the alcohol is in there, but it isn't too much. Um, it's pulled back down by that sort of vegetable flavour. But the vegetable flavour isn't, again, all of the flavour because the alcohol and the sweetness just lifted up that little bit so they have found a very very good balance in um in headlines uh which yeah just uh which which is absolutely the better beer for me this week so they are the games that we have played they're the beers that we have drank uh callum if people want to chat to you online uh how do they do that uh well i i'm on twitter mm-hmm. i trying to remember exactly what my Twitter handle is. I don't go on Twitter all that often. It is... You probably know better than me. It's at or Callum. But I tend to frequent Instagram a bit more. My beer reviews and all that sort of stuff are on Instagram a bit more. So on Instagram, I am at Drunken Degree. Because it tends to all be beer reviews and things like that. But they're probably the, the, the main place to find me. Nice. If, um, if people... But you'll also find me mm-hmm. on the, the Discord. Yes. The old um, Out of Lives Discord. I'm, I'm in there. Absolutely. As well. Um, and if people want to, you know, play a little bit of Splitgate or something with you, what are you on Xbox as well? I am... Oh. 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 God, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is. Uh, the Let's tough questions. The yeah. <laughs> Come on, Xbox. See how quickly the app loads. I am Osiris Incarnate. Oh. I used to have a bit of an obsession with Egyptian history, so that's where the the Egyptian god comes in, yeah. So, yeah. Fair. Hit me up. If not, fire me a message on the Discord and I'll be able to get you hooked up. Perfect. And I can lose lose some games of Splitgate with you. (laughs) Amazing. Hey, I thought you said you were on a bit of a streak, a bit of a winning streak. Oh, no, I, I had a 12-win win streak, and then it went downhill pretty rapidly from there. <laughs> but, you know, got to take the highs or the lows. Absolutely, yeah, fair. fair. Well, maybe someone can connect with you and play, and they will be, you know, at, exactly. at, at, at level, and you just both cruise through and just nail it constantly. So. The, the first time I ever played Fortnite, 
I got I I won my first five games of Fortnite mm. because I managed to get completely lucky and everyone else carried me through. I didn't get one kill in any of those games. <laughs> I just followed them. It was great. Brilliant. Good. Um, so yes. Uh, as we mentioned the Discord, um, you can find it in lots of different ways. Um, it will be on our YouTube page or on the outoflives.net website as well, linked underneath the episode today. Um, you can get me at Nova underscore 47 on Twitter or on um, PlayStation and Steam and those kinds of places if you want to play some games as well. We are Out of Lives Net almost everywhere and outoflives.net on your internet so go there and look at like my 12 minutes review and lots of other stuff that goes up on the site as well. Uh, you can join all of us at Tanked Up Cast on Twitter. Uh, we are nowhere near as frequent in updating the Instagram as we used to be. It's just the social side that has dropped off because all of the other things have not dropped off. There's only so much time in the day to do all of these things. Uh, so, that's all of the places that we inhabit. They're the beers, they're the games. That is us. Thank you very much for joining me this evening, Callum, uh, and jumping in to Thank chat you. about all of the games that you've played and to share a beer with me and hang out for an evening. Perfect. Good. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us this evening. We will catch you very soon. We've been tanked up. Bye-bye. www.outoflives.net